Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Well, this week we're going to be talking about electric vehicles, focusing on the current electric vehicles that are currently being sold 2019 and early 2020, and then the new EVs that are coming out in 2020. Um, Now, the 2020 specs, the cars that are coming out next year, the specs are still getting fine-tuned. Obviously, they're going into manufacturing, but they haven't worked out every single detail, things like the exact size of the battery pack, horsepower, things like that. But all of the 2020 EVs look pretty impressive. All right. Now, when I kind of took a step back and looking at what all the manufacturers are doing. Obviously, you know, it really started with Tesla pushing the EVs and then other manufacturers came in. They're steadily moving, not really fast because it's like turning a huge ship, but they're steadily moving from gas engines to then hybrid engines, you know, gas and electric, to full electric vehicles without even a combustion motor or all the other crap that goes with it. So there's lots and lots of hybrids. Every single manufacturer has a complete range of hybrids. I read an article once and surprised that the company that has the most hybrid models is Porsche. Go figure. But we're going to concentrate on pure electric vehicles. These are cars that don't have that gas engine or have a gas engine that are just kind of used for backup purposes. Currently, the only two that are out there that do that are the Chevy Volt and the BMW i3. Unfortunately, Chevy is kind of moving away from the, the volts and discontinuing that, and they're just going to have pure EVs. So when we're looking at all these different models, you know, obviously we talk about the manufacturer, some of the features. The things that are really important to people are the range in miles of the vehicle, the cost of the car, and the efficiency of the car, and also kind of the features, the sex appeal, the brand awareness, and things like that. But I wanted to start talking a little bit about the efficiency of electric vehicles, how you can kind to gauge that. Now, the EPA created something called MPGE, which is miles per gallon electrical equivalent. And basically, they're trying to kind of spoon feed people and help them compare the mileage of EVs to gas cars. And the way they do this is they kind of do a calculation of the thermal energy of gasoline compared to the energy that can produce per kilowatt hour of electrical energy stored in a battery, that kind of thing. And it's kind of an abstract way of comparing things. And it's very confusing. And it really is confusing because you look at these MPGEs and it's 100 miles per gallon electric. And it's like, well, how does that compare to a pretty efficient regular car of 40? So when I I kind of want to compare different EV models, the best way to do that is to really look at what's called the kilowatt hours per 100 miles. And that's a metric that a lot of the companies are starting to pitch out there. It's standardized and it's pretty easy to calculate. So kilowatt hours per 100 miles is the kilowatt hours is a measure of energy. So it's how much energy in terms of electricity that it takes to go to go 100 miles. Now the geek in me looks at this and says, gee, kilowatt hours is a metric measure and miles is in English measure, so it's kind of symmetric in English, but it's kind of ham. You know, it's kind of handy. It'd actually be more comparable to saying liters per mile in terms of instead of miles per gallon or miles per liter. All right. Now, when you're comparing MPGE or kilowatt hours per 100 miles, you know, one of the things that jumps out at you right away is there's not a huge difference among EVs. I mean, the very worst EV that I saw is the Audi e-tron at 46 kilowatt hours per 100 miles. And the really, the very best is the Hyundai Ionic at 25 kilowatt hours per 100 miles. And the reason is, as long as these cars are operated efficiently, they have regenerative braking. So you're really recovering most of the energy that it takes to speed up the car as you slow it down. 
unless the cars have really lousy aerodynamics or there's just some efficiency issues within the car. So the vast majority of EVs are in the 28 to 33 kilowatt hour range. Now, no surprise, the highest performance models, the ones that are, you know, rocket ships like the Tesla, they usually have the worst mileage. And also just kind of in generality, the bigger the EV, especially the less aerodynamic it is, They'll typically have the worst efficiency in kilowatt hours per hundred miles. And then, uh, you know, the flip side, obviously, just like regular cars, the tiniest, pokiest, slowest EVs are usually the best, just like gas cars. Okay, let's kind of dive in to a summary that I've got of all the different EV models that are currently on the market. It's 2019. This is pretty much what you can get into early 2020. And then we'll go into what some of the newer models are. So I'm just going to kind of do this alphabetically. I'm, I'm not going to talk a lot about, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the parameters, and we're going to kind of hit this on an alphabetical basis. So I mentioned the Audi e-tron. This is a mid-size crossover SUV. It looks very much like a normal SUV. It's you know it's kind of at the, the higher end, pricey level, seventy six thousand as you'd expect from Audi. And only going to kind of focus on the range and the kilowatt hours. It hits my threshold of over two hundred miles of range, which is good. But the kilowatt hours per hundred miles is only forty six. Okay. Now BMW, their first EV, and it's been out for heck like five or six years. Very funky design. It's a little square boxy thing, and it's forty five thousand. It's got good handling, but it's just looks kind of weird and the current model only has it well it only it has 153 miles of range and it's kind of interesting you can also get and this is what i think bmw did in response to chevy's volt is there's a gas generator option so if you kind of run out of electricity if your battery's dead you can start up a pretty good sized generator in the car and that generator is going to generate electricity that can charge the battery and you can run your car it's not going to let you go 75 miles an hour but you can probably get some pretty decent extended range although god it I'd hate to be that person in a BMW i3 that's kind of in the right-hand lane going 45 miles on the highway just to kind of limp along. So you really can't go distances. Whereas with a Chevy Volt, it doesn't matter which engine you're running from. Okay. We talked about the Chevy Volt. That's gone. The Chevy Bolt is still out there for 2019, and that's one of the best values. It's very functional, not very sexy. It's relatively cheap, $37,000. It's got a good range, 238 miles, and I, I know, they, you know that was very competitive with the Tesla Model 3. And so that's a pretty good car. It's doing really well. The Fiat 500e, also one of the earliest EVs. It's tiny, it's cute, it's one of the cheapest, but it's kind of boring right now. It's not super, I mean, it's $35,000, but it's not outstanding in any kind of dimension other than the fact that it's cute. It's got a range of 112 miles, which, eh, not that good. Now, we're getting to some of the Asian cars, the Honda Clarity. Interesting for this car. It's a pretty good car. It's got a range of 89 miles. It's not that great. It's relatively big. But it's not available to buy. You can only lease it, which we're going to talk about leasing in a little while. It's not a bad kind of way to go. Hyundai has a couple of EVs, the Ionic and the Kona. The Ionic is a kind of a little fairly normal looking EV, 124 miles of range. The Kona is a small SUV, but it's got a pretty good combination of range and price. All right. Jaguar I-Pace, getting a lot of excitement. It's been out, I think, I think it came out in 2019, 2018. It's a luxury SUV. It's really positioned against the Tesla Model X, and there's a new Tesla version. I forgot which one, the Model Y. But it's a luxury SUV. You know, it's a Jaguar. It's, it's very cool. But it doesn't have really great efficiency. It's got 44 kilowatt hours per 100 miles, so that's just only a little bit less than the Audi e-tron. But it's a big luxury vehicle, so there's probably a lot of electrical stuff going on. Kia has a couple of cars, the Kia Nero and the Kia Soul. The Nero is a, a hatchback SUV. 
$40,000. It's got really good range, 239 miles. So Kia said, hey, we need good over 200-mile range. The Kia Soul is also out there, and that's got similar range. So there's a couple of models there. The Soul is kind of a, let's just call it a unique look. All right, Nissan Leaf. They were one of the first companies. The first generation Leaf came out. This is the second generation. They made a lot of improvements. The mileage is much better. It's still really affordable. And I hear, and I haven't validated this, but they are actually allowing you to do what's called vehicle-to-grid. So you can actually, in some way, I'm not sure the details, but you can use the battery in the car to power your house in a blackout if you have the right setup. So that's kind of cool. And the best thing about the Leaf is that it doesn't have that bug-eyed look. All right. I'm not going to go into detail on Tesla. Boy, there are pioneers here. There's the Tesla Model 3, which is very, very popular. You know, base models are relatively affordable, 240 miles of range. Tesla Model S, full-size, awesome performance, huge range, 370 miles. And there's super-duper performance versions. That's expensive. And then the Tesla Model X, which is the best-selling electric SUV, really, really nice. Also over 300 miles of range. And finally, as far as what's out there right now, there's the Volkswagen e-Golf. And that's the mainstream hatchback. Heck, the design's been around since the 70s. I mean, I used to have something like a Scirocco, which is kind of similar to a, a Rabbit or a Golf. Pretty affordable, $33,000. Pretty, you know, reasonably efficient. It's got a 125-mile range. So I really think that unless you have a second car, in my view, you need a car that's got at least a 200-mile range. So 125 is okay. All right. That's 2020. Let's look at what's been announced that, I'm sorry, that was 2019. Let's look at what's been announced, what's forthcoming for 2020. So I'm just kind of going through this alphabetically again, just starting off and just weird. It's a BMW iX3. So that's not the i3, it's the iX3. It's a small SUV. It looks like the X3. So BMW is saying, hey, we're not going to make this thing look really weird. We're going to make it look like a normal SUV. Interestingly, it's made in China, and I don't have a price for it, but the range is over 200. It's got a 220 miles range. That's pretty good. All right. Next one, which is getting a lot of excitement, I think this is going to be a big seller. Who the heck knows? It's just announced is a Mustang Mach-E. So, hey, one of my high school friends had a Mach 1, old Mustangs, just really classic, probably one of the very best brands in the car industry. So it's called a Mustang. It kind of looks a little bit like a Mustang, but it's more got the functionality of an SUV. So it's a lot bigger than a Mustang. Great design. This thing's going to be out sometime late in 2020. $61,000. There's lots of, there's a few different options, but kind of the base model, 270 miles of range. So not quite 300, although you can get an extended range battery. That's pretty good. Just kind of next on the list. We've got the Mercedes EQC. Mercedes has made already a stab at, at EVs. They kind of, you know, it's no longer available. They're pure EV. They have some hybrids. But the EQ6 is like the GLC. That's one of their popular compact crossovers. It's a small SUV. It's fully electric, 200-mile range. Check that box. $67,000. Obviously, it's a luxury SUV, and it's from Mercedes, so there's a lot of value there. All right. Tesla Model Y. It's coming out sometime in 2020, we hope. It's the SUV version of the Model 3. So they're basically using the Model 3 platform, you know, raising it up a little bit, making it more SUV functional. 310-mile range and $60,000. That's pretty competitive with some of the other medium SUVs. Next, we've got the Volkswagen ID3. It's kind of a weird name. It's a hatchback. It's kind of in between the Golf and the Passat. 
It's a five-door hatchback, pretty affordable, 200-mile range. So they're kind of saying, hey, I mean, I don't know why anybody would buy an e-golf if they can get the ID3 because the ID3 is cheaper and it's got a 200-mile range. And then finally, Volvo, the super safe car with a reputation, coming out with a small crossover SUV. They've done well with those. $50,000, and they have an SUV with a 250-mile range. So a lot of good stuff coming out. We hope that these cars come out pretty much when the manufacturers expect. By mid to late 2020, there'll be some really even more great pure EV choices, and we're going to talk about what that means for the industry. Now, let's talk about some of the realities of an EV. Now, good news is the operating economics for new EVs keeps getting better. There's a couple of reasons why. First of all, price of gas is up close to $4 a gallon at the pump right now here in California. And so if you have a regular car that gets 40 miles a gallon, which is pretty good on the average, that works out to 10 cents a mile with gas. And we're kind of looking at the, the how much it costs to drive a mile. Now, the charging cost on the EV2 rate, and that's the electric rate that you can go on right now from PG&E, which is basically charge at night or sometimes in the middle of the day, 16 cents a kilowatt hour. So I'm just going to pick kind of the most popular car, the Tesla Model 3. That means that it's going to cost you 4 cents a mile to drive compared to 10 cents a mile with gas. Now, if you were to have solar and your electricity is, you know, between six and eight cents a kilowatt hour. Then your operating cost for that car, your driving cost, 1.5 cents a mile. That assumes that you're able to charge up on your solar at home. And we'll talk about what happens when you charge elsewhere. In addition to the fact that the fuel, the electricity for EVs is almost always cheaper than gasoline, they're fundamentally cheaper to operate. You don't have an engine that requires regular oil changes. You don't have filters that need to be replaced other than maybe the cabin air filter. You don't have coolant in the system. They have regenerative braking. So when you put your foot on the brake, instead of the brake pad squeezing on the rotor inside the wheel, what happens is it's regenerating the energy in the car and it's recharging the battery. So you hardly ever use Use your brake pads unless you're doing a lot of emergency stops. So that's great. Brakes last a long time. And there's fewer parts in the car. I mean, you just there's an electric engine. It doesn't have all those other things bolted on the outside of it. There's no alternator. There's no water pump. The air conditioning system is different. Uh, you know, what's interesting is the auto workers in the central U.S., kind of all over the world, the auto workers who have been making combustion engine cars for over 100 years, they're concerned that the labor content EVs is so much less that there's going to be fewer assembly jobs and there's going to be fewer jobs making components. You're not going to have to make, as more and more EVs get out there, we're making fewer engines, fewer water pumps, fewer alternators. All that stuff kind of goes away or slows down. Obviously, we're going to be still make gas cars for a long time, but the automakers are concerned about there being fewer assembly jobs. Okay, now you're sold on an EV, you have an EV, you're thinking about an EV. Let's talk about living with an EV. So obviously, you're going to need some way to charge your car up at home. And there's a couple of ways to do that. One way is to use what's called a level one charger. That comes with pretty much every car. You get a, a long cord, maybe 20, 25 feet long. You plug it into a 120 volt outlet. It can charge at maybe 12 amps. It's really slow. So my Chevy volt with that cord takes 11 hours to charge it fully with the 16.5 kilowatt hour battery. That's only got like a 30 mile range. But what everybody does, or if you have a house or if you have a way to put in a permanent charger, is you get a level two charger, which charges at twice the voltage and it charges at 30 amps. So you can really charge your car up a lot faster. The Tesla Model 3 will charge up fully. You got like, you know, over a 200 mile range in less than nine hours. So that's pretty good. But these chargers, the 120 volt charger, 
it's free. But if you're going to put in a level two charger, it's going to cost you a little bit more money. In my experience, I strongly recommend a charger. This is kind of a box that goes on the wall inside your garage or outside your house. Recommend getting one with a long cord. The longest cord that I've seen out there is 25 feet. That's going to be more expensive, and it's a really fat cord. It's like a garden hose. But it's going to allow you to kind of charge your car, whether it's in the garage, outside the garage, on the left or the right side of the garage. It gives you more flexibility. So when I kind of shop around it, and these are just numbers on Amazon, not including freight and tax, $853 for a Bosch EV charger with a 25-foot cord. I'd say that's kind of on the high end. You can get a Siemens EV charger for $400, and that's with a 20-foot cord. So you've got some choices there. But, you know, costs on Amazon, that's going to be what you're going to have to pay, whoever installs it, plus freight and tax. Now, total costs, if you're installing a charger, you're going to have to pay an electrical permit. You're going to have to have an electrician or a solar guy run the wiring for the charger and kind of get it mounted. And that electrical work, depending on how easy it is and where the circuit breaker is and where you want your charger, could be, you know, 250 to over $1,000. So just kind of ballpark. Expect a cost of about $1,500 to $2,000 to install a level 2 EV charger. Maybe even more if the wiring is really chicky and can be a lot cheaper if it's done in conjunction with other electrical work like solar, for example. And there's some nice synergies with doing it with solar. Now, one of the things that hit me a couple times is making sure that your car is charged overnight. Come home, plug it in, make sure it's charging. Because it's happened to me several times where for whatever reason I didn't click the charge room properly and I go out to my car in the morning and it's still dead. Good thing is I had a volt, so I would just run on gas. But if you have a pure EV, you're going to be stuck. So be careful about that. Now, what's really grown a lot, which is kind of critical to proliferation of EVs, is there's public charging networks. There's companies like ChargePoint and EVgo where they have public chargers. So you can get, it's like a gas station, but it's a, you know it's an electricity station. You pull up, you put in your charge card or whatever mechanism they use to track you and bill you, and you charge up over you know a half an hour, an hour. Now, you might want to join one or more of these charging networks because when you're driving, you never know what's going to be accessible. You can also charge at some car company sites. Obviously, Tesla's got superchargers all over the place, and then some of the dealers usually have chargers. But one of the things you're going to find is it's always more expensive to charge from these public stations, unless it's a free Tesla one or dealer one, than at home on EV rates. So the charging costs and what you're really going to be paying for this huge variation in the cost that it'll take to charge up your battery. So in California, pg and territory right now, the EV2 rate in pg and territory is 16 cents a kilowatt hour during kind of the middle of the day when electricity is cheap and in the middle of the night. So if you charge then, it's great. You can set the charger with some kind of schedule that'll only start charging when you want it to. Whereas if you charge it in the late afternoon or evening, Currently on the EV2 rates, 47 cents a kilowatt hour. It's like three times more. And those are on the EV rates. If you were charging on the standard electric rate, the standard tiered rate is the E1 rate, you're going to end up, with your charging your car, you're going to end up charging at peak rates, and that's going to be over 48 cents a kilowatt hour. And that's why it makes so much sense to charge at home with solar because then you're, you know, you're kind of charging at amortized rate of the solar, which is going to be about seven cents a kilowatt hour. Now, a lot of people charge at work. Their companies have free charging or their companies have pay for charging, which still may make sense. 
Surprisingly, it's kind of expensive for companies to provide this benefit, not because the electricity itself is expensive, but the utility charge is a demand charge, and I'm not going to go into the details of that. So unfortunately, companies, because of these high demand charges, have slowed down their efforts to install free chargers for their employees, but I think that's going to change. And the third option, which we talked about, is a public charging station, and they basically make you charge by the hour, and it's usually limited by the car's onboard charging capacity. So you kind of look around for those. Make sure you can kind of do the calculation, see if they're charging you per hour, see if they're charging you for per kilowatt hour. Some of the places like the city of San Jose has charging stations that are 25 cents a kilowatt hour. That's pretty reasonable. At 20 cents a kilowatt hour, if it's off-peak, that's almost as good as the home EV rate. All right. So some other considerations about an EV, <laughs> this kind of caught me by surprise. Carpool stickers. You can go in the high occupancy vehicle lane if you have an EV with a current carpool sticker. But I found that California only offers those, those when you buy a new car. Stickers only good for four years. So my 2014 Chevy Volt is no longer eligible for the carpool lane because it's 2019. The other thing you might want to consider is not buying the car or leasing it. EV technology is changing a lot. So you might want to lease it. And also you might want to lease it because if you buy it and the carpool sticker is only good for four years, in four years, you're going to kind of want to their car. So leasing kind of makes sense. So those are things. So just to kind of wrap up, 2020, several new EVs that are on the market. The automakers are fully on board. The market's really segmented. And what's interesting also, all EVs aren't available in all locations around the country. It seems like there's more EVs on the East and the West Coast, and certainly gas cars in the central part of the U.S. You kind of go through the central part of the U.S. and do a lot of traveling. You hardly ever see pure EVs. There's hybrids, but not a lot of pure EVs. But that's going to change. Heck, 10 years ago in California, there were almost no EVs. And what's also exciting about the newer vehicles, for many people, EVs are their primary car now. Once you've got range of over 200 miles, I mean, it's manageable for long trips. You can top off your car every night if you're only driving 30 or 40 miles to work every day. You just top it off every night. It's not like going to the gas station every day, but you can top it off every night. And what's also interesting is many of my EV friends are on their second EV. They've kind of completely bought into the performance and comfort. It's clearly more economical than gas and way more economical with solar. And, you know, because of the carpool sticker, they've got faster commutes. All right. That's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at Cinema Dead Energy and listen to the podcast.